Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Road Safety at Rush Hour. My name is Brian Delaney, and we are excited to have everyone join us again for a new episode with a very close friend of mine, Melissa Wandel, the president of the National Coalition for Safer Roads, a national organization which helps save lives and protect communities by advocating for the use of automated traffic enforcement. Melissa, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Hey, thanks for having me. It's so great to be on with a friend and be able to have some great conversations and great safety tips. I'm excited. I'm very excited to have you on. And, and today is going to be, uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so in the transportation field, as, as, as we both know, Melissa, every, everyone has a story. Um, whether your interests or passions sort of started from work or if they began in college. And, and for some of us, like, like you and myself, uh, it sparked out of tragedy. And uh, I'm continually inspired by people who engage in this movement towards zero. How did you find your way into the field of transportation safety? Well, back in um, 2000, October of 2003, um, you know what? I was just living life, uh, married a year and five days. And um, we were, uh, my husband Mark and I were uh, pregnant with our daughter who was going to be born in two weeks. And uh, we were just, you know, really loving life, working hard, you know, giving back in a multitude of ways. Um, but just really enjoying one another. And um, being nine months pregnant, my husband and my brother who was living with us at the time had made the decision to um, go out to get a bite to eat um, because they had decided that they were gonna get something to eat. And, my, and I told my husband, you know, listen, I'm just not really up to it tonight. I really don't feel like it. And uh, he said, but Melissa, I love you and I'm gonna miss you. And I said, well, I love you too, but I'll see you, you know, I'll see you in a couple of hours, you know, we'll get just, we have the rest of our lives to spend together. And um, about two hours later, I had received a phone call that there was a crash just a mile from my home. Um, my brother was driving, my husband was a passenger, and they were stopped at a red light, and they were, um, my brother stopped at a red light, the left arrow turned green for him to proceed through the intersection. Um, and when he did, um, another motorist ran the light. The light had been red for a half mile. Uh, they ran that light and um, caused a horrific crash. And um, unfortunately, um, my, my husband did not make it. My husband lost his life right there on impact. Um, and my brother um, is totally, um, really emotionally debilitated. He did end up surviving. Um, it was touch and go for him as well. Um, and so getting that phone call and going to that intersection um, and just the reality of a whole new life within a second, like life changed. My husband walked out the door um, and he didn't get to walk back in. And, um, and so really that night going to that intersection, being nine months pregnant, um, and having to say goodbye to my, my husband who had been married to for a year and five days and, and who having this, this baby that was going to be born at any moment in two weeks, um, I really had to stand there in that intersection where there was lights and sirens everywhere and just really say, I've got to embrace the love and not the loss and, I, and loss and I really have to um, move through and try to do something about this moment because this moment was going to be a turning point in my daughter's life of, of all, you know? And so um, two weeks later, 
um, I gave birth to our daughter, Madison Grace. Uh, and when I held her in my arms, I just promised her that, that I would make a reason for what had happened, that let her know that her father loved her and that unfortunately um, he would not get to be able to be there to watch her grow and she would not get to physically know who he was, um, but that together we would find a way um, to make good come out of this um, horrific crash that changed our lives forever. Um, and those crashes have domino effects um, and really affect a lot of friends and family um, for the rest of their lives that hanging on trying to figure out, you know, that one moment of a horrific crash that is preventable um, can change a multitude of lives in a moment. So that was the moment, you know, asking me, you know, how did I get into this? That was the moment. Um, and truly, that was a moment that carried me forward that said, you know what, red light running is negligent, red light running is preventable, so how can I be a part of the solution? How can I move forward to be a part of the solution um, while honoring my husband and his legacy um, and while also showing my daughter who my husband was in this life and also a newfound way to share that love that I could no longer share with my husband. So I started working with um, policymakers to um, really say, what can we do? What is, where, how can we curb the behaviors of red light running? And how can we make sure that um, this doesn't keep happening to other people? How can we curb these behaviors? Um, and so I started off right away in 2004 uh, to try to truly, um, pass a bill, the Mark Wandel Traffic Safety Act, that would allow red light safety cameras at the most dangerous intersections in the state of Florida. And uh, that was quite a journey itself. That's a whole other podcast and that's a whole other journey. <laughs> um, but it bet, took yeah. five years of education and outreach for that to happen. And on May 10th um, uh, of 2010, that bill was enacted um, and um, you know, in 2020, uh, the bill has been tried to be repealed for the last, um, you know, for these these last 10 years. But I continue to hang in and and really get policymakers to understand the value. Right, and I think I think we we found ourselves in this uh, <laughs> this field for reasons that we probably wish that we didn't have to find ourselves in this field. But it is, you know, like I, I continue to say, it's very inspiring to hear stories like your own and and so many others in this community that have such a unwavering passion and drive to create change in ways that could improve our, our transportation system. And I wanted to talk particularly on this podcast today about red light cameras, because there's a lot of conversation about red light cameras. A report from the Governor's Highway Safety Association in 2017, 890 people were killed in crashes that involved red light running. And over half of those killed were pedestrians, bicyclists, and people in other vehicles who were hit by the red light runners. And that same year, an estimated 132,000 people were injured in red light running crashes. Additionally, the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety reported that these red light camera programs in, uh, in 79 large U.S. cities have saved nearly 1,300 lives uh, through 2014. And researchers from IHS have found 
that uh, you know shutting down programs like this cost lives with the rate of fatal red light running crashes shooting up 30% in cities that have turned off cameras. On the flip side, however, there are some that argue that these cameras are in implemented as revenue generating systems for states and even the camera vendors, than actual safety systems to prevent crashes. So there's a lot of debate that's around this technology. And so I wanted to hear your thoughts on this research and, and on this debate that exists. Sure. And so let me break it down into bite-sized pieces for everybody to truly understand that, number one, we're trying to humanize the numbers. My husband was a human. He's not a statistic. So whatever we can do to, if automated enforcement is going to reduce the risk and save lives, then they're just a part of the solution. So since people have so many issues with red, lights, uh, red light safety cameras, and they say they cause rear end crashes, so let me start with that first of all. So there are common, it's a common type of a collision, whether or not you have a red light safety camera at the intersection or not. So we have fewer than 2,000 red light safety cameras in the entire USA, but there are more than 300,000 signalized intersections in the USA. And each one of those intersections have multiple approaches. People are not paying attention, they're driving too closely, and they're driving too fast. They're distracted driving, and so many of these rear-end crashes are not because there's a red light safety camera present, it's because of the fact that people are driving too closely, they're going too fast, and they're simply not paying attention. We have to start holding ourselves accountable and not holding a piece of equipment like a red light safety camera accountable for our actions in our vehicle. I think that's one thing that's really important. Um, the, the camera's being used as a um, revenue generator. I don't believe that. We have come to a place, number one, we could make one argument and just be done with it. If nobody is running a red light, there will be no tickets and there will be no revenue generated. We can all understand that that is just plain common sense, number one. Most of these bills, they are set up at the, the different states. All the different states that implement these cameras have different bills. But a lot of these bills are set up so that the vendors are not making a commission on each ticket. That's truly old school. That's thrown out. That, that may have happened years ago, but those arguments keep coming up. So like in Florida, we give, um, under the Mark Wando Traffic Safety Act, we give $10 per ticket to um, 21 level one trauma centers in the state of Florida. We give $3 per ticket to the Miami Project to cure paralysis. So the money is going, is there money going back into the general fund? Yes, but it's also going to these trauma centers. It's also going to places like the Miami Project. So those, we've really come to a place in, in our, you know, in our days today where our bills are set where the this is not money just being generated and we all have to stop and just if we all pay attention and do not run red lights there will be no money to be made whatsoever and red light cameras are a tool that absolutely change driver behavior you're talking about pedestrians and we're talking about bicyclists um, and we're talking about the motorist um, red light safety cameras change that driver behavior and they're a tool for law enforcement to make 
because when you're entering an intersection where a crossing vehicle could hit a pedestrian, crashes in those intersections where there are red light safety cameras present are down. So let's take Florida as an example again. So in Florida in 2018, crashes involving pedestrians at intersections with red light safety cameras were down 21%. In 2019, they went down another 10%. And, you know, especially for me being a, I'm a alert today, alive tomorrow in Florida, and, and I'm on a coalition that is all about, you know, pedestrians and bicyclists. Um, if these red light safety cameras were not doing their jobs, I would not have my husband's name on those bills. So we have to realize that that these red light safety cameras they are protecting our most vulnerable road users our pedestrians and our bicyclists So I want I wanted to bring up an interesting discussion taking place in, in Rochester, New York regarding red light cameras. And the conversation centered around the argument that red light cameras, uh, quote, disproportionately impacted low-income drivers. A study commissioned by the city found that there were more total red light violations in five zip codes that had the city's highest rates of poverty. And Mayor Lovely Warren stated, and I quote, I'm particularly concerned that too many of these tickets have been issued to people who can least afford to pay them, which is counterproductive to our efforts to reverse our city's troubling rates of poverty. Warren said in a statement, and I quote, I cannot in good conscience wage a fight against poverty while also imposing burdensome fines that have a disproportionate impact on people living in poverty. What are your thoughts on, on this argument? I, I thought this, this conversation was interesting. Yeah, and I have heard these conversations before over the, the years, um, but here's the thing, and it comes back to simply, if you are not running a red light, if you are not breaking a safety law, then you are not going to get a ticket. These red light safety cameras do not discriminate. They are put in place at intersections that have the highest crash rates where people are losing their lives day in, day out. If I'm going to run a red light, Okay, first of all, I know that I'm going to risk taking somebody else's life. And that's why I'm speeding through that intersection. I would rather take a ticket than take a life. And again, these red light safety cameras do not discriminate. So if they are, whether wherever that they are located, it's up to those individuals to make sure that they don't have to pay that additional fine because people are dying every day due to red light running. So I fail to believe that these cameras are discriminating and that they are trying to hurt the poor. I think I look at, I look at my life. I look at the burden in my home. Um, my husband, my daughter's never going to know her, her dad. She will never know him. And all because somebody made a decision to run a red light who had the opportunity to stop on red. And I think we just have to get back to basics and realize they don't discriminate and it doesn't matter who you are or what income bracket you're in, you should never run a red light and you should never be excused for it. This has been a conversation that I've found to be very interesting 
Uh, we had a, a podcast episode with the Vision Zero Network where we talked about road safety as a social equity issue. And as we enter into an age, particularly in urban America, where there's a movement towards gentrification, gentrifying neighborhoods, and, and sometimes providing things like bike lanes and uh, better infrastructure that promotes walking and biking and has been more prevalent in areas that are being gentrified of maybe higher income than those in lower income. And so sort of finding that that balance and making sure that road safety is equitable is a theme that I'm seeing in, in the whole conversation of roadway safety. But I found it interesting that red light cameras came into this conversation about social equity and roadway safety. Yeah. And I, and I agree. I mean, I think we all want to live harmoniously. We don't want to hurt anybody. Um, but but people are dying every day due to red light running. And, you know, you have all types of automated enforcement. You have all kinds of policies that are in place all over this country. But for some reason, when it comes time to red light cameras, they just get a bad rap. But the fact that they are preventing most people from running a red light, you know, and, and saving a life. I mean, that's what we truly have to get back to. Good point. There, there's, I know within the transportation safety industry, there's the conversation or the, the point of education, enforcement, engineering. And I think that this is a great conversation that weaves them all together because it, it is important to educate all citizens and individuals about these these tools and the dangers that exist with regards to running red lights. And then also having enforcement being the actual uh, red light camera. Yes, education is huge. You know, I could have just like helped to pass this bill and then walked away from it. But why would I do that? Why would I want so, it wasn't, it's not just about my husband. It's about not wanting other people to walk in my shoes or to be in my daughter's shoes. I want people to be educated about these cameras. Knowledge is so powerful. And sometimes people are afraid of this tool that they don't even realize one day could save their lives. So I think instead of, um, you know, a lot of the, the policymakers being so upset and saying, oh, they're penalizing our people, well, educate your people educate them and show them why they're going to help save their lives. Don't look at it like it's going to penalize them and they're going to do something wrong because the more people are educated, the better off they'll be and they'll make better choices. I have one last question that I wanted to ask you, Melissa, and, and throughout this whole conversation about red light cameras and enforcement and the importance of education and enforcement and engineering all together, from your perspective, what does the future look like for road safety and infrastructure with zero transportation fatalities as, as both your goal and, and my goal and, and everyone's goal should be across the United States? What needs to happen going forward? Well, thank you for asking. And I think in the times we're living in right now, I think that couldn't be a better question. Um, first of all, our policymakers need to be on board. That's number one. Look at where we're at right now. We are living in a pandemic where uh, with the, um, the COVID-19. Look at what our policymakers have done. They have shut this country down. They have swiftly moved people in order to protect us all. They've isolated us. Um, they've said, you know, we, this is what we're doing because we don't want you dying. Our, our numbers are going up. We're afraid of this. We want to protect you. Why can't they do the same thing with highway safety? 
over 10,000 people lose their lives a year due to speed and red light running. It's an epidemic that is taking our, our most precious loved ones day in, day out. We have to, we've got these policymakers that are doing such great things for us right now with this pandemic, but at the same token, when it comes to highway safety, they know people are dying every day on our highways, but they're not only not taking it seriously and not doing anything about it, but they're also voting against um, certain laws that would enact these automated enforcement that would cut down the, on these crashes and that would save lives. So we have systems to implement. We have advocates on the streets. We have thousands of people mourning the loss of their loved ones due to a sudden preventable death. Our policymakers need to focus their attention on roadway safety and recognize we need to utilize the tools that we have it at hand so that we can simply save lives. And I absolutely agree with that. I, I think that in order to reach zero, we need to be proactive. And although we focus a lot on the new technology that's coming down the pike in the future, we have a lot of tools right now and we have a lot of conversations. We have a lot of very smart, educated individuals with expertise in our field that have the power and the ability to create positive change and hopefully move our country towards that goal of zero. Yeah, and we can do that. We're already seeing that it can be done. We can work together with our policymakers on other issues. Um, so when roadway tragedy is the, the number one way that people are dying out there day in, day out, um, we can all come together. We are proving that right now with the COVID-19. Uh, so let's go ahead and let's prove that with highway safety. Um, I really urge our policymakers to get on board and um, help us you know, to save lives. Absolutely. Melissa, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today and sharing your powerful story with the world, as well as discussing automated enforcement technology like red light cameras. I appreciate it. I wish that we could have this conversation in person, but I'm so excited that you were able to come on the podcast and share all your expertise and knowledge. And, and first and foremost, I appreciate you and I thank you for making a true difference in the field of traffic safety and, and continuing your work and your advocacy. It, it's so important. And, and I really appreciate you and thankful for a friend like you. <laughs> well, I do too, Brian. Uh, friends make the best uh, advocates together and together we will move forward um, and make change in our country. There's no doubt about it. So thank you for your continued work and for all the lives that you've touched and you've saved out there. I really appreciate you. Thank you. So in closing, on behalf of the Roadway Safety Foundation, I would like to thank everyone for tuning in to this episode of our podcast series, Road Safety at Rush Hour. If you enjoyed the podcast and want to hear more, please follow us on Facebook and Twitter at the Roadway Safety Foundation and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or your favorite podcast network. As always, this is Brian Delaney signing off, wishing you safe travels all day and every day. 